All-Star break, always a great time to take account of the Cardinals season to date, sort of looking ahead. We all know the standings. They're a half game behind Milwaukee. That's encouraging, but the fact that if you're in any other division, you'd be sort of buried right now. And that's that's kind of the balance when you look at the Cardinals is they're right there. They're in it. And Nolan Arnato said it last week, I don't want to win the wild card. I want to win a division. So even in Colorado, they got in. They were a wild card. Division's got to be the goal. At least that way in the first round, you're hosting the best of. You don't want another crapshoot where you're going on the road. But at the same time, I think what's encouraging is that Dodgers series, yes, there was the horrible blown game. But you were right there after taking the first game. You're leading 6 nothing in the second game. And that's the best team in the National League. So even though this team needs help, for sure, they're not that far off from contending with the best team in the National League. That's the Dodgers. And that should give motivation to the front office to say, hey, we're not that far off. And I think a lot of it has to do with not the nostalgia of Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina's final season, but the fact that Goldschmidt and Arenado right now are in their prime. And in a couple of years, Yadi, Wayno, Albert, everybody be gone. But those guys will be a couple of years older. So I do think there should be a, a different urgency. Not ripping up the entire model of the franchise, but at least considering what's likely over the next couple of years with those two superstars that you have, Goldschmidt and Arenado. So this is the uh, sort of backdrop to the visit with Bill DeWitt the third, the Cardinals team president. And it's the state of the franchise. We talk a little bit about how the Pujols deal went down, whether his dad, Bill DeWitt Jr., the Cardinals owner, sort of always wanted or felt bad about the Pujols exit. Is this sort of the ending they had always envisioned? But also because this is their final year, the big names. Is there a different urgency? Is there a conversation with Bill DeWitt Jr. and John Mozalek that says, you know what, we're... We've been a little pragmatic at times. We've been we've been duds at the deadline. It needs to be different this year. We need to have a different approach. Just this one time this year. And that's part of the conversation. Also, the MLB meetings. Bill DeWitt III just came back. The owners' meetings. Where they're talking a lot about the changes that are coming for the game. Pace of play is still a major topic. And um, just sort of the, the idea, and this is the question not just for Bill DeWitt III in this conversation, but really for the franchise. They're always good, but they stop short of being great. And and why is it? Is it just one more player? Is it one more contract? And and, and that's a topic we get into as well. Bill DeWitt is the focus of the Kilcoin conversation at this All-Star break. It's presented by Triad Bank. Since 2005, based in Frontenac on Clayton Road, but also the second location is now open. That's on Olive, just west of 270. Triadbanking.com, the website. And because it's St. Louis-based, that means all the decisions are made right here in town. Commercial loan, home loan, business loan. They can help get things done because all of the decisions are made right here in St. Louis. Marie DeVilla, senior living, corner of Clayton and Wideman Road since 1960. So they've been around, let's see, that's longer than Dodger Stadium has been around. Marie de Villa Senior Living, they have Villa Estates, Assisted Living, all levels of care. The easiest thing to do is to take a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. M-A-R-I-D-E-V-I-L-L-A, Marie de Villa 
www.tuckpointing.com is where you can take that virtual tour. B and G Tuck Pointing, they are the best in the bricks. And there are so many brick homes, brick buildings throughout the St. Louis area. And when the tuck pointing goes bad, all of a sudden that building, that home, doesn't look the same. So make sure you call Rich Galati at 363-0525. Maybe it's your chimney, your garage, and you've been looking at it for years and saying, we got to get that fixed. 363-0525 is the number to call. Get that free estimate from Rich Galati over at B&G Tuck Pointing. Check out some of their work online at bgtuckpointing.com. And Appliance Discounters, they have been around for more than a decade, and it's a St. Louis success story. Started with the three employees, and it's grown. And the whole idea is the biggest names at the lowest prices, whether it's a washer, dryer, refrigerator, stove, great general electric merchandise, a lot of great GE rebates as well. Go to the website, theappliancediscounters.com, and start your search right there. Just type in General Electric. Great thing about Appliance discounters is things are delivered within days. 80,000 square foot uh, warehouse that leads to the showrooms around town, but the warehouse is the key because they have the inventory that others don't. Theappliancediscounters.com, where their savings are your savings. And now the Kilcoin conversation with the Cardinals team president, Bill DeWitt. Let's just start with the first half. Uh, give me your assessment of what you've seen so far. I would say the talent is there on this club, clearly. Um, a lot of good storylines. Um, you know, certainly, I think if you asked all the guys in the clubhouse, they'd tell you, we expect to be doing a little better with our record. But um, I don't think you can call it, you know, a, a big failure or anything. We're right there. I mean, we certainly have it in front of us to go get. And, um, you know, we, I think, are cautiously optimistic that this team is going to go and do that. Why is it, do you think, this franchise, there always seems to be a second-half push. And, like, the managers change, the players change, and we always hear, well, we're good in the second half. And then a lot of times it's true. I mean, is it sort of ingrained, or do we talk ourselves into it around here? It does seem like, historically, the Cardinals are good in the second half. I don't know what it is. Um, I mean, am I imagining that? Doesn't it seem like there's been a lot of good pushes? Yes, there have. There certainly have been a lot of good second halves in the last decade or so, as I recall. Um, But I don't know. I think it's a case-by-case. Like, on a few of those situations, some some stars got healthy in the second half. Um, In other cases, we had young players that came up and made impacts in the second half. So my guess is... You know, it'll be some reason that we haven't even thought of so far or had before. But um, I think, you know, sometimes we've had good deadline deals that have made big impacts. So I would say those are your three choices. Um, I don't care how we have it. One of those three will do. You'll take one we'll take at one. this point. Uh, is there more pressure this year? We talk about it's Yachty's final year. It's Albert's final year. We don't know about Wainwright. Arnott on Goldschmidt are in their prime. Do you sense that organizationally, like that there is a little different, not importance, but maybe hope that this is a special year? Yeah, I would say there's a, a number of reasons why it feels like this is a year that would be great to to go deep in October. Um, every year is special. Every year is important. Every year is is something that you want to take advantage of but how many years do you have three legends 
you know, either retiring or maybe almost retiring. Um, you want a storybook ending there. I mean, they've been so important to the Cardinals, talking obviously about Albert, Wayno, and Yachty. And, you know, going out with a thud would be no fun for anybody. And, and going out on top would be the ultimate storybook. So in that sense, I think there's a little extra desire among fans and probably among players who have experienced what those guys have brought to the table and want to do it for their, themselves, but also for those guys. Do you think it's something that your dad even articulates to John and, and says, you know, this if we're going to be on the fence about a deal, this is the year, sure, why not? I mean, do you think that it's at that level? I don't think so um, because I've seen him push for um, getting to that point every single year. There's no year that we have taken off and said we're mailing this in and looking towards next year or three years out. Um, I mean, that's honestly one of the things that, you know, when we first got involved, we, you know, our goal was to win a world championship and add to that legacy and all that stuff. And as time has gone on, this consistency of winning has almost just happened through good decision-making, good planning, good long-term, short-term balance, all these things that now that we look back uh, have been part of, I think, why this has occurred in a consistent manner. Uh, but it's now become something that we're very proud of and trying to maintain. So, um, and part of that is his push every year to make sure we have a good competitive team. So I don't think any one year prioritizes over another, but clearly there's some juicy storylines here that feel somewhat unique to this year for sure. Do you sense some of the fan angst that says, we're always good, we're, we're kind of right there, we're not great, and we're one player away if we just were bold that one off season. Do you hear that? Do you sense that? Or how do you feel about that? Where you guys are always in the mix, always good, but maybe just one tick away from being great. I can sense, you know, I understand that sentiment. Um, but, you know, when we signed Goldie, it was like, hallelujah, they did it. When we signed Arenado, it was like, hallelujah, they did it. What's next? <laughs> What's next? What have you done for me lately? There, there's some of that going on in that sentiment, probably. Um, we're going to deploy every resource we have available to win. Um, and sometimes, from just a roster construction standpoint, that looks great. And sometimes you don't, you're not in such a great spot. But we're pushing every year. Um, this year, it feels like we have a particularly nice mix of guys in their prime, um, legends still doing their thing, and young players with really good potential showing what they can do. So I think um, that's more of an internal pressure thing that, that and, and, and let's be honest, we're in a pretty good spot in our division right now to be able to take advantage of it. It's like nobody's running away with it. So all of those things make it feel like a year that um, um, could be special. Take me back to the Albert decision in the spring. How quickly did that play out? Tell me about a call or text you got, and you thought, what? Went, us? What? He's coming back? Tell me how that kind of all played out. I think it was for me, I got a call from my dad, and he said, have you heard about Albert? With sort of this kind of twinkle in his eye on the phone. And 
I, as soon as he said that, I knew what must be brewing because it just, the way he asked me the question, I said, no, I haven't. Meaning, like, if you talk to Mo. I said, no, tell me about it. And he kind of outlined some conversations that it had been had and um, kind of said, what do you think, and stuff like that. So that's how I heard about it. And then it wasn't 72 hours later, and we, we had a deal. So it came together very quickly after those first conversations. And I know he's not hitting a home run every at-bat, but him being here has certainly ignited a portion of the fan base. And he seems to be having more fun than I ever remember him having being a baseball player. And granted, he doesn't have to play every night. He can be a different guy. What have you observed, but also what have you seen and heard from your fans about him being here? Because it almost uh, didn't happen. You're, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, the um, I've had so many people come up to me say, thanks for bringing Albert back. I mean, I mean, I didn't do it, but you know what I mean? Like, just... <laughs> No problem. Appreciate the sentiment, you know, for sure. Um, and uh, that's been a lot of I mean, uh, very unusual for that many people to, you know, giving me an attaboy about something with the team. Um, and so that's one anecdotal thing. The other is just my observation that, like you, I see that. I see him enjoying it, um, enjoying being a, an influence on some of the young guys. Um, I'm actually seeing him having really good at-bats here in the second half of the first half. Like, I mean, there were some at-bats maybe early on where I thought, you know, it's going to be hit or miss. But recently, it's almost like there's a new kind of confidence almost, which is amazing to even say for a guy that's third all-time in extra bases. But um, like a, a reinvigoration of like, He's still got this, and I'm. I, that's what I'm observing with his at-bats. I wondered a little bit for your dad, too, if it always kind of bothered him. We all know how it played out. These things happen, but it just never felt great about it. And now, and I haven't talked to your dad about it, but I'm just curious if he, how much pleasure he takes in him coming back because I know it upset him when he had to leave or did leave, however we want to phrase it. I just felt like it always kind of gnawed at your dad a little bit. I would say that's fair. Um, you know, he... Um, you know, it was a tough moment way back then, 10 whatever years ago. Um, I think we all moved on and just sort of did our thing and it was fine. But yeah, I mean, you always were thinking about how do we put a proper um, bow on this? Because it really was a, such a remarkable 11 years. And um, now that's easy. This is the bow and there's more to come, I think, with just us being able to recognize his contributions to this franchise. It certainly helped in terms of attendance, but how about overall post-pandemic now? I know last year we were sort of easing back into it. This is our first year, I think, of really just quote-unquote normal. What have the numbers been like, and is there a Pujols bump built into that? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we've actually measured it, but I'm sure there was one. When when we signed him, there were definitely some great two or three really good sales days. Um, I would say... You know, it's kind of one of those things where we're back to normal now from an operational standpoint, for sure. Um, When you look at this year on the business side and on ticket sales and all that, it will still have embedded into it a little bit of a um, negative element from the lockout that we experienced in the offseason. It finally got done at the 11th hour. 
And there was a, still a COVID sort of hangover, I would call it, in the January, February, March, when we are selling our group tickets and our suites and party rooms and all that kind of stuff. Some corporations were holding off until the coast was clear a little bit. Those two things combined to the point where we're going to do 3.1 million plus tickets sold. Unbelievable number. So appreciative and thankful to be 95% back. Um, but, you know, my guess is that without those two negative factors, we might have gotten to 3.2 plus, 3.3. But look, it, for all intents and purposes, I'd say we're back. Certainly 2023, all, by all accounts, should be back to you know where we were. And the attendance numbers, you get some big numbers for a game, but you'll still see empty seats. And people have asked me, well, how do they have 40,000? Is it just the nature of people at the game? Are they all walking around? And like less people sit in their seat for nine innings, right? Is that part of it? Like it'll be 35,000. You might see a lot of empty seats. Are they all milling about? Is that typical? Well, um, I think that, you know, if people are used to seeing 3.4 million and this year, let's say it's 3.1, if you're a really observant fan at the, at the crowds, what that means is that the 38,000 is is 33,000 on Tuesday against the Marlins in April. Or, you know, a Cubs weekend, it, it might not, or not, that's a bad example because those are sellouts even now. But you know what I'm saying? Like a, a, a three or 4,000 drop off is you know, noticeable. You might see yeah. that actually in um, visually in, in, in the seats if you got a nice trained eye about what crowds are. What are you hearing at the MLB level? We keep talking pace of play and the, the pitch clock. Where do you think it's headed? Have there been improvements? I mean, everybody says if it's a great game, nobody cares how long it lasted. You know, if it's intense and there's a final out, swinging strike, everybody's like, oh, that was great. Nobody looks at their watch. Maybe it's the games that aren't very entertaining where we look at our watch, but what are they still hoping to do, and is that still a huge topic? Yeah, I mean, it's a big topic. I was, I think you referenced, I was at the owners' meetings a couple weeks ago. A lot of talk about the new committee that came out of the collective bargaining agreement, which I'm really excited about, actually. The previous committee process was cumbersome and required certain checks and balances in the process that were slowing it up. Um, this one is now a streamlined committee with members of, obviously, ownership and management, uh, players uh, and an umpire on the committee. They are charged with making changes to make this a better version of the game that we love. And um, obviously a lot of talk about what that means and what the committee may do. Um, you know, things that have been thrown out are the pitch clock, larger bases, some kind of shift elimination, and um, maybe the automatic strike zone, stuff like that. <coughs> Those first three, I would say, have a pretty good probability of happening. I mean, I don't want to predict the committee's activities, but those are in their bullseye, and we're seeing them all, and the experiments in minor leagues have all gone very well on those things, those three things, which I think is why it's become, you know, the talk a little bit of what's out there on those committees, because, hey, if this is working in the minor leagues, let's let's see it in the, in the big leagues. Average game times um, are... Uh, have been reduced from below three hours to two, depending on which league or which 
you know, um, sort of um, part of the season you're talking about anywhere from two hours and 45 minutes, 250 to, you know. So, but even more important than that, that I'm excited about on the, on the pitch clock in the minor leagues, is people tell me it's a different viewing experience. It's more, it's a better pace. It's, you're actually getting more balls in play for whatever reason. Guys are just ready. They're getting up there. They're ready to hit. Um, putting balls in play, defenses being activated. I just, that excites me that, that we're going to get a better version of our game and, um, and the fact that it will happen in a slightly shorter amount of time is a plus. I, I don't think we need to drastically reduce it. There's something great about the pace of baseball and special about it in a great three-hour game with lead changes and um, action and a few you know, timely pitching changes that might lead to you know, questioning the manager's decision. <laughs> that takes three hours, so be it. It's the interminably long three-hour, ten-minute, two-to-one game that not much happened that, you know, come on, if you're going to be two-to-one, let's get that over in 245. A final thought, something you and I have touched on. It, it seems the people who are usually critiquing the most are either on social media or mm-hmm. online somewhere. The people in the ballpark generally seem to be happy to be here, excited about most things. How do you balance or how do you know – if your fan base is enjoying, A, the experience, the game, how do you kind of always know, I guess, it, is it always the turnstile? Hey, if they're showing up, they're happy with what we're doing. Because if you go online, it's like, oh, that was terrible, that was terrible. But yet you see 30, 40,000 people show up into the ballpark. How do you balance those? I don't even know if it's two crowds out there. I would say the only, the, the, the ultimate voting booth is tickets sold. That's probably your best gauge of that measure of fan uh, excitement versus apathy. Um, having said that, we have so many more tools to gauge fan feedback. I mean, we do a lot of in-park surveys. Um, I look at those a lot. Um, we compare very well against other clubs because MLB actually helps us with that and they, they have some consistency across all clubs. Um, we do very well on measures of, you know, fan satisfaction and, um, you know, just a bunch of different measures, you know, ballpark cleanliness, you know, um, speed of the lines, concessions, you know, all that stuff, price value. Um, we get a lot of comments, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, people, fans take the time and give us great feedback, and that's very helpful. But um, those are important for us to gauge our general state of the fan and franchise. Um, and, um, you know, we talk about these these methods of feedback. Social media is one of them. I think you're right, though. It is a subset of the overall Cardinal Nation, and it's a subset that is um, emboldened by their anonymity, we'll just say, and therefore um, you're going to hear it um, direct from that group, Um, not always positive. Um, But that's okay. I mean, I do want us as an organization to be aware of those trends, but maybe not focus on individual um, you know, nastiness, which can sometimes happen in, the, in, in that method. Still a pretty fun job, isn't it? You walk out, you can look one way and you can see Ballpark Village. You look the other way, you see the field. I mean, I, there's going to be tough days, but it's still a pretty fun job, isn't it? Oh, gosh, I love it. Um, and I think what I love the most about it is sort of building on the momentum of the stuff that we've done, like Ballpark Village and the game day experience and things that we do at the stadium. You know, we just met with a uh, 
the folks at Katie's Pizza who are going to come down to Ballpark Village right there on Clark and 7th and um, how excited they are to be down here and what they're going to do in this restaurant and how they're going to make it look and how they're going to get fans to be outside and eat. Like, I was so energized by that because it's just continued um, excitement about what we're building down here and I want to keep that momentum going. Um, Yes, for the games and for the postseason runs and for the excitement of the games, but also for what it means for downtown. I mean, I, I love driving and going. I'll, I'll do, like, circles around the new Centene Stadium soccer and just get excited about. I remember how excited I was when I was doing that when we were building this, and I'm trying to relive that just a little bit and get getting excited for St. Louis because um, these are catalytic things that can really create momentum for downtown and, you know, we want to fill in the gap between here and there and fix that bad street corner and finish out the open lots that we have and, um, you know, upgrade certain aspects of Bush Stadium and keep it current. And so I look forward and don't look back. I, I like to celebrate once in a while what we've done, but 99% of my time I'm kind of excited about what's ahead. You know, the last question was, to be honest, wasn't even much of a question. It was sort of a throwaway. We're wrapping up the interview. Just said, hey, it's still, what a great job. I mean, it would be a great job. My God. Team president of the Cardinals. Your office looks out over Ballpark Village. You walk down the hall and open a door, and there you look out over the stadium. I mean, I'm sure there's stressful days. There's business to be done. But I was just thinking, man, this, this really is a great job. And Bill doesn't deny that. And I get it. There's always frustration with the DeWitt family. They don't do enough. We want them to be better. We want them to spend a little more. And I understand that. But on the whole, they have been great owners of the franchise. They've provided a ton of great playoff moments. And they've been good St. Louis corporate citizens. And I think when I the throwaway question was, hey, it's still a great job. He ends up talking about Centene and the soccer development for the MLS. And I know downtown still has plenty of issues, and it's frustrating. Every time you see a headline about a shooting, a robbery, any of the above. But I think there is some hope that if the MLS Stadium, which is, what, maybe a mile west of Bush Stadium, can get some younger people that maybe want to live around there that are really into soccer, maybe it does sort of connect the dots from Cardinals to Blues to soccer, then St. Louis U, then the West End. You know, I'm not sure it's not going to be a Pollyanna, but I don't think it hurts. Let's just put it that way. And I think Bill, even though he's the baseball guy, can look at what the soccer people are doing and understand that it has a chance to be impactful for downtown. And, you know, listen, after the Cronky era of me, 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 my, 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 didn't give two rips about St. Louis, it's nice to at least see some synergy with the teams that are here that want to be here and are hoping for you know St. Louis to turn it around. Not to be a Pollyanna, if the Cardinals are duds at the deadline again, I think this year it will ring differently because the division's there for the taking. Arenado's an all-star. Goldschmidt's an all-star. Your young players are contributing that maybe you weren't even expecting at this level, even just throw in a Juan Yepes or a Brendan Donovan. So you've got some pieces here you didn't expect. You have a division you can win. You need pitching. I know the Juan Soto thing is exciting, and it would be nice to see them be bold. Use some of those pieces you have. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But appreciate Bill taking the time, being part of the Kilcoin conversation. All the segments are always posted 
at scoopswithdannymac.com. You can also get us at Spotify and iTunes. Easiest thing to do is subscribe, and that way each segment is delivered directly to you. Thanks to our great sponsors, longtime sponsors, Triad Bank, St. Louis-based bank in Frontenac on Clayton Road, and on the web, it's triadbanking.com. Marie de Villa Senior Living, we've mentioned this many times, the home for Red Shandings, the Cardinals legend. He lived there for a long time. He was on the board, uh, part of the leadership, part of the vision for this beautiful spot in West County. MarieDeVilla.com is where you can take a virtual tour. B&G Tuck Pointing, they are the best in the bricks. And if you want your home to look its best, get those bricks fixed up with great tuck pointing work from B&G Tuck Pointing, 363-0525-363-0525. The number to call in the 314 area code to get a free estimate. And it includes foundation repair, waterproofing, and of course, tuck pointing. So give my friend Rich Galati a call. And Appliance Discounters, where I mention all the great appliances, but they have a wonderful service team as well. So if an appliance breaks down, call Appliance Discounters. Don't call an 800 number where they give you an automated response and tell you somebody will be there a week later. Call Appliance Discounters and find out about the great service team they have for repairs as well. TheAppliance Discounters.com. I'm Martin Kilcoin. Thanks for tuning in.